Broadcasting live from the 2018 RMA International Conference at the Aria Resort in Las Vegas. It's time now for a special episode of Capital Club Radio. Broadcasting on the Pro Business Channel and across 16 syndication networks. This show made possible in part by Flock Specialty Finance. For more info, visit flockfinance.com. And now, here's your host, Chairman and CEO of Flock Specialty Finance, Michael Flock. Thank you, and we are absolutely delighted today to have a really interesting guest. Uh, I'm pleased to introduce Tom Simonson, President and CEO of Merit Financial Solutions. As CEO, Tom is leveraging the people, systems, data, and some of the infrastructure from the old CFS, Commercial Financial Services, a company founded by, as many of you know, the late Bill Bartman, a very colorful, aggressive, and controversial founder. Prior to Merit, though, Tom headed up the Technology Consulting and Systems Integration Division at Unisys with full P&L responsibility and $1.7 billion in revenue. He developed his technical knowledge and skills as Executive Vice President of Mainline Information Systems, an IT solutions company. Before that, Tom spent 21 years at IBM in a variety of marketing and executive roles, including many on a global basis. Tom has a Bachelor of Science in Business from Drexel University. So, Tom, what motivated you to leave the world of high-tech and prestigious brands like Unisys and IBM to join the former team and investors of CFS, you know, a, a collection company, a debt-buying company, founded and led by a very, very controversial leader named Bill Bartman? So, uh, thank you, Michael, for the opportunity to be here. Um, and I think the answer to your question is, when I met Bill and got to know what his vision and strategy was for the company, it really attracted me to helping people all over the country at the time. There's millions and millions of people, as you know, that suffer pretty significant financial stress. <clears throat> and while I enjoyed putting in high-end computer systems all over the world for you know over 20 years between... Uh, IBM and Unisys and my time at Mainline as well, um, I was really attracted to this model of helping millions of people. And what Bill explained to me in terms of his strategy and vision uh, included a lot of technology. So we had some natural synergy uh, between the business plan that he was creating and the use of technology. So as an example, the Watson technology, all the analytical capability, all the predictive analysis, and all that you could build from collecting all that data and then mining it and monetizing it. So it was really a well-matched partnership when I started with Bill. You know, that's very interesting, Tom, because the way you describe Bill and his motivation is very different from how people remember him. Because there were some ethical issues with the company, and I think his uh, partner uh, actually got arrested and did some jail time. So it's surprising to hear the words that Bill wanted to help consumers in financial distress. Could you elaborate a little on that for our, our, our listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think there was always two sides to the Bill Bartman story and the controversy around it. You know, on the one hand, you had what you described, which was the scandal and the ultimate demise of CFS. But on the other hand, you had a man who was quite the visionary 
and could see things that others in the industry or in other industries did not see, particularly around how to create new offerings, how to go into new markets. A couple of examples would be the focus he had on the whole subprime market and wanting to be the industry's leader in collecting data that you could market to banks and other organizations on the subprime market, a very difficult segment to be able to you know, understand and, and do you know, a level of analytics. And that's what attracted me to this because I knew the technology component of what would achieve what he was trying to accomplish. <clears throat> you know, I recall seeing his picture on the cover of Forbes magazine. I think it was a couple decades ago. And it was, I think, something like uh, a janitor, now a billionaire, Bill Bartman. Do you think that maybe because he has some pretty humble beginnings himself, that he identified with potentially these distressed consumers that he vowed to help? Is that part of his story, too? Absolutely. In fact, you really hit it right on the head. He actually grew up experiencing debt collection from the consumer standpoint. Okay. His dad was the janitor, and they had a very difficult time making ends meet. And debt collectors in those days often visited the home. Uh-huh. It, it was a regional or local collection model. And when you had an overdue bill, the debt collectors would show up at your house. So Bill literally experienced this as a child growing up and had quite the adverse story. You know, if you read his book and you learn his whole life story, um, it's actually a remarkable uh, turnaround from his childhood. And then to your point about becoming a billionaire, he completely identified with those people, knew how to talk to them. And that's why his focus was on the kinder and more gentle debt collection approach, taking, you know, compassion and understanding into how he was trying to help consumers. So how did that philosophy, that belief translate itself into the culture that he created at CFS? Yeah, so I think it started with, you know, having the people first, really believing in them, empowering them, appreciating them, respecting them. You know, you might remember that, and, and he talks about that in his book, the, the levels of company recognition he had. Um, he formed a daycare center with over 400 children, uh, little toddlers that were being taken care of at company expense by professionals, you know, in the, in the you know, child care industry. He created a school for preschool children that was in the hundreds of children. I mean, at scale for the original CFS, they had nearly 4,000 people in one building, a 50-story tower. And, you know, you talk about stories. Bill used to go around uh, and visit all the employees, and he used to kind of joke that it took him a year to visit with everybody because he would go to one floor a week and get 50 floors. So he always had a high interest in helping people, and he put in those programs. And and I think the last thing I'd say is he created a recognition program where he literally took all the employees, their spouses and children, to Disneyland on an all-expense-paid vacation based on the performance of the company. And it was featured in the Tulsa World newspaper where at the Tulsa International Airport there was like – you know, four or five jumbo 747s lined up with all the employees of the company, and they were going off to, to Disney. So quite the uh, customer experience. It's very ironic, yeah, that someone uh, in the collection industry, which is not necessarily associated with being, you know, employee-friendly or consumer-friendly, 
did the actual reverse. That's right. 400 that's right. children in a daycare center that's right. for the employees? That's, that's, exactly that's right. awesome. It yeah. is. It was, it was a remarkable level of, of commitment to the employees. And his philosophy was, you know, if you take care of those employees and make it the most attractive place to work, you will get phenomenal results. And, and that's what he set out to achieve. Uh-huh. All right. Well, let's talk about the future. We've talked about the past. Um, but how did you personally, you know, with your track record at IBM and Unisys and mainline information systems, why would you be attracted to debt buying and, you know, transforming a collection company? You know, I wouldn't say that it was really attraction to this industry. What I was attracted to was all the experience I had built up over 30 years. I said, you know, putting in high-end computer systems all over the world was great fun. I mean, I, it was literally a lifestyle. I, mm-hmm. I was traveling the world extensively, visiting probably 15 to 18 countries, 35 to 40 cities every year. And enjoyed it immensely. And as a result, I have friends all over the world still from those you know roles. But what attracted me was more of what Bill was trying to accomplish in the way of reforming the debt collection industry, making it more friendly, mm-hmm. making it less intense, um, less abusive, which is kind of you know how some of the industry has morphed over the years, um, and helping all these people. And I could do it with the acumen that I had built up over all the years, and I could apply a lot of technology to it that he needed. So when he approached me about all this, you know, Bill said to me, I have this strategy. I want to build the company again like I had with CFS. I want it to be bigger, better, you know, faster. Um, And I want to have great analytic capability and a level of technology that didn't exist 20 years ago. And actually, I knew how to do all that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was the, the kind of synergy. Well, right, and I recall when I visited you a few months ago that uh, you showed me that Bill's office is still there. Everything, I guess, placed that's right. in his last visit, and that's it's right. behind glass. But I got to thinking, and even now, you know, are, are you somewhat a prisoner of his legacy? You know, we're trying to talk about the future, but it comes back to the past. How do you, as the new CEO, go forward without being backward at the same time. Yeah. Now, it's a good question and a, and a good thought, Michael. Um, and I think what I would say is I'm going to take the vision and the strategy that Bill had around helping people in the industry, applying the level of technology, creating compelling offers that really change people's lives. So a couple examples. In our enterprise now, we're going to have a debt collection company. We're going to have a debt negotiation and settlement company, and we're going to have a debt lending company. Now, as you know, based on regulatory requirements, you cannot have all those businesses in a single entity. Mm -hmm. So we have three entities that are uh, oriented towards helping the consumer in a full 360-degree fashion. So trying to address the entire consumer problem and solve it by utilizing these three companies. And so they'll all be in this so-called, I guess, consortium of merit financial solutions? Exactly right. Okay. Yes, exactly right. Okay, so there are three companies. And you were just saying a second ago, we're going to have, but you've already started some of these, right? I have. The, the debt settlement. That's, that's right. Started? I, I have yeah. those three companies in existence today, and we're performing in all three of those, I'll say, segments of the market. Mm-hmm. What I'm really speaking about is the scale of it. So now we're going to, you know, really drive the execution of the plan and the scale of that model. And we have the plans underway, we're hiring people, and we're, you know, gearing up to drive that level of execution. Okay. So elaborate, comment more on then on your, your vision and uh, 
what are the steps by which you're going to be accomplishing that? I mean, I guess you need yeah. capital, you need people, That's right. That's you need right. systems. So. That's right. So to your point, I, and I'm in the process of you know building all those things, acquiring capital, uh, being able to enable the company. Um, I think among the first couple of things we want to achieve is first having a uh, large presence in the market, establish ourselves as a credible company that has morphed from the CFS2 into the merit organization. And then from there, you know, really driving our results and our impact in the industry. And specifically, that means, I guess, lining up collection customers, debt settlement consumers. That's right. right. And so you're using some of the same people, right? Yes. Yeah. In fact, we're going to have all the people that were in the previous CFS2 company that Bill restarted in 2010 and ran until his unfortunate and sudden passing, which mm-hmm. was uh, near the end of 2016. So for the past 14 months, uh, our team has been working towards this, uh, you know, approach with Merit. And we're going to uh, have all the employees from CFS2 join. And we're going to take the best of the, of the processes and the methods and the techniques and the software and apply all that to the three companies and go forward and scale and grow the business. So help us understand some of the obstacles. Everyone knows that things are much harder uh, to achieve than usually our plans, you know, that we present, you know, seem to be. What are some of the examples of some of the challenges and obstacles you taking this, this very fascinating legacy of CFS and the team and some of the relationships, I think, even from some of the investors? What are some of the obstacles you've encountered along the way? Yeah. So, listen, I love the question that I'm kind of smiling here. Uh, I'll be it on the radio. Um, uh, you can't see it, but um, and you've got a face for radio. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Michael. Thank you. I've been told that. I've been told that before. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I would say is I have worked hard to, um, in a few words, kind of narrow the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bill had a uh, large orbit of people and contacts. And he was very focused on a lot of things around industry reform. He spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C., meeting with regulators, consumer advocate groups, think tanks, the legislative bodies, um, all these different aspects. And what I've tried to do is really take the vision and the strategy and narrow it, um, reduce the, the orbit uh, in terms of the size of it, the number of people in it, and really concentrate on the execution of what was that vision and strategy, but in a more narrow way. Mm -hmm. Moreover, I have uh, set financial projections Mm -hmm. and other metrics that are uh, kind of crawl, walk, run. So you got to start small. You know, in baseball metaphor terms, you're kind of going to play small ball. Get Mm -hmm. everybody on base, hit some singles and doubles. You know, you can score lots of runs that way. And then after you get bigger and stronger, you can hit the long ball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's that whole approach that uh, was part of the challenge, taking over from such a big personality like Bill uh, to something that, you know, is quite more pragmatic. Right. Well, the other challenge I think that we all had, and I, Bill did it certainly before he died, was uh, the market. The market after the crash, you know, shrunk. There was lots of consolidation. You guys still survived. Market's now starting to come back, but does uh, Merit still have any of the prior issuer or creditor relationships for purposes of debt buying, or are you starting all over again, and how, how is that going? 
You know, we have some of the relationships with the brokers and, and access to the, um, you know, uh, level of inventory in the market. But, of course, I want to, um, you know, establish some new ones and, and some strategic partnerships mm-hmm. where I can form a mutually beneficial ongoing relationship with uh, those that can provide debt to buy or debt that I can service. And, you know, I'm pursuing those strategies. In fact, here at this conference, I have a number of meetings with some individuals that are interested in growing their business, establishing new partnerships, and that makes it, you know, mutually beneficial. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, So back to you personally, what what did you learn at Unisys and IBM that you can apply now to this very different entrepreneurial experience? Um, I think I learned the biggest thing. In fact, this is a little bit of a story that you were talking about earlier that, um, you know, when I was uh, operating those global businesses in the top, I'll say, 18 to 20 countries around the world, which generates, you know, 90 percent of the revenue in in big IT companies, um, I learned that you need uh, a precise strategy that you need, you know, maniacal focus, and you need a certain level of cadence um, and discipline and a set of metrics. Um, And when I used to travel the world and meet with all my teams, literally all over the world, um, at time to time they would tease me and say, you know, Tom, every time you come to visit, which was about twice a quarter to most places, um, they would say, you know, you say the same thing, you repeat yourself, to which I used to say that's called consistency. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, you know, they they used to tease me about it because they always wanted something new. Right. To which I said, no. The key to success is having a very, you know, select set of offerings, and really providing great organizational capability and enablement around it, which includes funding and people and training and marketing programs and technical support and all the aspects that you need, and then driving that operational rigor. And I used to, you know, tease them right back and say, listen, I'm going to be back six weeks from now and three months from now. And guess what? We're going to talk about the exact same things that are typed on this one page. So I'm never going to ask you about the microwave oven business. I'm never going to ask you about the steam shovel business. I'm going to talk about the hardware, the software, and the services business with these offerings, these solutions, and these markets, right? So six weeks from now, get ready, and I hope we're a lot bigger and stronger. You know, and that was that was where I applied my focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, of course, though, in big companies, and I can relate to that, you know, you never you wake up in the middle of the night worrying about where that paycheck is coming from That's because right. they've got size, infrastructure, cash. They're already successful. But now you're in such a different position. What, you know, do you have sleepless nights? Do you, <laughs> do you, do you wake up wondering where that next paycheck might be coming from for Tom Simonson? Uh, I actually do because, you know, when you're building the business and you're making the level of transformation that we are, you do rely on investors up front and you have to learn to raise money as part of your, your everyday, you know, operating mode of operation. And it's interesting that you mentioned what you just said because you're right. When I was at IBM and I was at Unisys, I never thought about paychecks, right? You know, we had a huge treasury and, you know, lots of capability there. When you're in a small company and you're trying to build the brand and build the the company and the infrastructure, you do worry about that. So the good news is I had a lot of good experience working with investors and and working in the capital markets and figuring out how to approach and create value propositions and mutually beneficial win-win solutions. 
And, and then I trade on my, my personal credibility and my character and my integrity that I developed over all those years in IBM and at Unisys in particular. Um, and people, you know, judge you on that, and they decide that they have confidence and they're willing to invest. And that's how we've, we've kind of operated. You just used the word brand. Uh, you know, in our first part of this interview, we talked about, you know, systems, people, and capital. We didn't talk about brand. And you've got a bit of a challenge here, I do. you know, because of the CFS history and some of the past business practices. How are you going to build a new brand for Merit Financial Solutions? I think it starts with just literally, you know, planning the work and working the plan. And I'm not trying to create a cliche, but I kind of live by that motto that, you know, it's an everyday effort. You show up at work every day. You put forth your best effort to uh, accomplish your objectives. You do what you say you're going to do, and you incrementally, you know, build that reputation. You get connected to more people. It's a small world, as we all know, particularly in an industry like this level of financial services. Mm -hmm. And you trade on your reputation, Mm -hmm. and you trade on your integrity. And did you say what you were going to do is actually what you did? And I think that's how, you know, we go about it. That's what we've been doing for 14 months, and that's the plan going forward. Okay. And going forward, what will be your definition of success for Merit in 2018? Yeah, so first, I think it's really um, a function of acquiring portfolios. I, I probably have three parts of this. Part number one will be we need to acquire portfolios, drive the top line, work the whole P&L, and come out at the end of the month, you know, with a profit. Second, I think we need to build relationships within the industry. And that's across the brokers, the banks, uh, forming some important partnerships for today and in the future. You know, really establishing ourselves as a credible uh, corporation that is based and grounded in good integrity and good character. And then the third thing is delivering on the financial results. And that's a function of what we promise our investors, what we promise our employees, and, you know, we promise to ourselves. So I think if we could do those three things in 2018, We'll be well-positioned for more growth in 2019 and beyond. And before we wrap it up, uh, Tom, I always like to ask our guests, what do, you, what do you do in your spare time? What are you reading now? What book is on your bedside table? You know, and, I try and read a lot of different things. Um, you know, I'm a political uh, junkie at some uh-huh. level, so I won't give you the names of the books, but I will tell you I'm reading some of the most current uh, publications in the political arena that described uh, the state of politics uh, in our country, centered in Washington and uh, centered around a couple of individuals. So, uh, you know, that's probably the things I enjoy reading the most, in addition to sports. You know, I I love college football and track and read a lot about that as often as I can. I love Major League Baseball and uh, track and read a lot about that as well. Well, since you're from Philadelphia, I'm assuming you like that Super Bowl. <laughs> I did like that Super Bowl. You know, they've never won a national uh, championship in the history of the franchise, so it was really great to see the Eagles perform the way they did. So Philadelphia came from behind. They were not expected to win. That's right, on the season. And losing Carson Wentz, you know, was not trivial either. So the way Nick Foles stepped up, not only in the playoff games, but certainly in the Super Bowl, was just kind of remarkable for he and his family. So I wonder, is there a parallel here with the the Philadelphia Eagles coming from behind? And here we have the new CEO of Merit building on a very colorful company and very colorful founder from the past coming, you know, like the Phoenix rising from the ashes. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, I think it, I think it takes, um, you know, a lot to take on that level of adversity. Right. Um, 
And over all the years, I've been fortunate enough to have adversity, but also come through it. Uh-huh. Um, and the old expression that was, does not kill you makes you stronger, you know, literally applies. Right. So it's been a, it's been a good uh, long time, and I'm looking forward to more of it. So what, if I could summarize then, so yeah. what you're suggesting is maybe it's the adversity of the past yeah. of CFS that's going to help make merit. You know, maybe a Super Bowl winner in the future. Yeah, there's a level of determination and resolve there, you know, among all the employees and the executives we have. And there's a culture of wanting to make a big contribution in the industry, help a lot of people, but also, you know, drive great financial results and an outcome that you can be proud of. And and I think you're right, Michael. That's that's a large part of it. Mm -hmm. Well, do you have any final words of wisdom for our, our listeners, Tom? I don't think I have any words of wisdom. I would just tell you I think we all find ourselves in opportunities or companies, as it as the case may be. And there were times where I asked myself, you know, how did I get here? Why am I here? You know, to your point, here I am in these large IT corporations right. operating global businesses. Why collections, yeah. And how did I get into this place <laughs> at this time? Yep. And, you know, my own view is... Uh, you know, there's a plan that that's that's beyond what we create for ourselves. You know, there's there's uh, you know the big guy in the sky that that creates things for us, and and we are in a place that that's a part of that. And I accept that and and embrace it. Actually, I'm looking forward to the future. Well, Tom, thanks for this very fascinating conversation about the legacy of Bill Bartman that you're building on from. You know, CFS to Merit Financial Solutions. And, you know, we look forward to reading how Merit will win the Super Bowl someday <laughs> in the debt buying and collection industry. Thank you very much, Tom. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Michael. We want to thank you for listening to this special episode of Capital Club Radio with your host, Michael Flock, and his guest, live from the 2018 RMA International Conference at the Aria Resort in Las Vegas. Made possible in part by Flock Specialty Finance, more than a transaction. For more info, visit flockfinance.com. To listen to a rebroadcast and more episodes, visit capitalclubradio.com.